The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hey there, Dope Village. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. And we have got a super cool guest today. That's right. We are talking with marathon pioneer Joan Benoit Samuelson. And I think she might be the most interesting person in the world. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> I do not disagree with that. Right? She is amazing. Joan, first of all, if you don't know who she is, she won gold in the marathon at the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. And that was the Olympics, you may recall, where it was the first time ever that women ran the marathon after fighting for inclusion for a very long time. And Joan would then go on to have a prolific career in running. And, and here's the thing. She literally has not stopped. She has run sub three hour marathons in five consecutive decades. And this year in October at the age of 65, Yes, at the age of 65, Joan ran the London Marathon with her daughter, Abby. And she's also working on completing the six World Marathon Majors series. So she's run London, Berlin, Boston, Chicago, New York, and she has her sights on finishing this incredible feat by running the Tokyo Marathon in the spring. So if you're in the mood for some good life wisdom, then all I have to say is get comfortable listening. It's Joan Benoit Samuelson. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time, find and enjoy in life. So bright talking and laughing combined 
did you go for a run today? I went for a run and then I went for a swim in 53 degree water here. And I'm into that Wim Hof method, yeah. you know, cold mm -hmm. water. It's getting cold fast. And I don't wear booties or gloves or a wetsuit. I just. What? Circuit. Yep. It's 53 and you go in there with nothing on? Yeah. I mean, your bathing suit. You're not, you're well, not no, swimming naked. Let's running, be clear. So I just go right in because if I wait, I won't get in. Oh, damn. That's so cool. You just jump in. Yep. You do the polar plunge every day? Yeah, it's not a plunge. It's a little bit of a swim. <laughs> it's a plunge to me. Oh. Um, Joan, first thing we always do on the podcast is we have our guest set the scene. So, Joan, where are you at? What you doing? All those fantastic things. I am in Freeport, Maine. Um, it is now one uh, two ten. Yeah. Uh, time for recess. Uh, <laughs> I've been out for my swim. I've uh, no, I've been out for my run, ending on a high tide, so I could swim for a bit. Then I went into my garden to get tonight's meal, and now I'm here with you. Oh, oh what a wonderful day! What, what are you What are you cooking? Yeah, me? what'd you get from the garden? Uh, I got some celery and some Swiss chard and some arugula and some lettuce, and I might go out and pluck a beet or two, but they're almost gone. Oh, and it's we've... November 8th, and usually everything is gone on October 8th, but because of climate change. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's lasting scary, a little bit scary longer. Good. Scary yeah. good for, you know, gardening, but it's not good for running and the environment and life. Uh, I do want to see a picture of your garden because I've heard you talk about that. Uh, it, because my garden, even though it's about like two feet by two feet, is just dirt. That's it. <laughs> Nothing okay. else. At least it's dirt. At least it's yeah, dirt. It's there. Yeah, it's still there. I got. I got to get on that because I actually love gardening as well. It's just I travel too much, and so it's, it's hard. Therapy. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Is there a therapeutic element to it for oh, you? Hugely, hugely. I'll get home from a trip and I'll go out with my headlight and check it out. No kidding. That's cool. Um, all right. I know exactly where I want to start this interview because about a month ago at 65 years old with a knee replacement, you went with your daughter to crush the London Marathon. And let me just give for people who are listening your time. Three hours, 20 minutes, and I went to that little site that calculates what that means per mile, because I was like, what does that mean per mile? That sounds really fast. Seven hours and 37-minute mile for 20... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, no. sorry, did I say seven hours? <laughs> sorry, my bad, my bad. Seven 37-minute mile. My bad, my bad. Seven minute, 37-second mile. I... I can't even, for 26.2 miles, I can't even, I know you're Joan freaking Benoit. I know that, but that still blows my mind. Well, it doesn't blow my mind. I know, you're like used to running him, um, I know, under three. No, no but, but um, I was just happy to finish. As you said, I had a partial knee and I've been struggling with an opposing Achilles, which has been my Achilles heel literally and figuratively for since the 80s, um, since before I ran in L.A. So just to have the longevity in sport that I have had and enjoyed for the most part um, 
is a real gift, and to be able to share a passion with a daughter is even a bigger gift. And she kicked my butt. She ran her sub <laughs> three. So I want that back, hopefully in Tokyo. Do you? I, you think I, you can go back to sub three with a knee? Oh, I don't know about that. I I did. I want to go faster than I did in London, but um, that'll give me my Abbott six world major. Right star and you know that's your sixth star right that the, means you've done the all the majors dangles. ah but it's through storytelling that i keep myself going how so well i was going to end my career in 2008 with the olympic trials in boston and i was 50 at the time and i thought what a great story i'll end my career where i started my career in 1979 and I finished uh, in just under 250, so I achieved my goal of running a sub 250, and I was met by all the Olympic uh, qualifiers at the finish line and walked off into the sunset, happy with the way I ended my career. And then I received a call from Mary Wittenberg, who was the then race director yeah. of the New York City Marathon, and she said, how would you like to come to New York to celebrate our 40th anniversary and your 25th Olympic uh uh, anniversary and I said well that tells a story I'll come and the next year it was Chicago and the date was 10 10 10 and that was the um, 25th anniversary of my fastest time ever and so I said I'll go and then it was the Athens Marathon celebrating the 25th hundredth anniversary of anniversary of uh, the Battle of Marathon so I said oh my gosh as a marathoner I better go and it just keeps coming <laughs> and it was, it was you know the tragedy in Boston and wanting to run yeah. with our children and uh because I had run the year of the bombs and that was the uh I think that was the 30th anniversary of my first Boston I mean it, I wanted to run the sub 250 again or sub three hour, 30 years after my first win. That was the story. I better start writing these down because I'm going to yeah. yeah. forget some of the reasons. Right? We need the book. Yeah, well, there there was going to be a third book if I broke three hours in six decades. So I've got to get on it, I guess. Yeah. Get Let's on the go, road Joe. and write, write the book. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go for Tokyo. What's that course oh, like? That's a pretty good little cheer. Let's go for Tokyo. Yeah. That's okay. I'm 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 here for you for cheers. That'll be my new mantra. <laughs> Let's go for Tokyo. What's the What's the course like? Could you do it in three? If you, I mean, I know you you didn't even get much no, training in before running what you did. So. I don't think I can do the training that I need to do. I'm mostly right. on my bicycle. Um, yeah. And um, you know, I can get my heart rate up much higher on a bike than I can on my own two feet. But I think if I go for longer bikes and try to do a few, you know, I'm on a collision course with my body and uh, <laughs> I'm not afraid to, to get close to that. But um, I am afraid to, to blow it totally. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I'm going to change a few things up. What you're saying about your story and telling a story reminds me of Dr. Colleen Hacker, who is a mental skills expert that we've had on the podcast many times. And she talks about the idea of write your own story. And what it sounds like is that in thinking about a marathon as a story, that it gives you purpose and a why for what you're doing, as opposed to just maybe logging miles. Well, you know, marathoning is really a metaphor for life, and we really don't know what's around the next bend. So while we have it, we should go for it. And um, <laughs> that's basically the way I live my life. I'll rest when I'm dead, and uh, hopefully I'll have a few more years before I rest. 
But, um, you know, you just have to go with it when you have it. And I, I didn't know if I'd ever be able to run again um, after the knee um, replacement, but I waited until I found a surgeon who told me I would run again. And um, <laughs> you just find I mean, a different surgeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, nobody really wanted to touch me up here in Maine. So um, I did wind up going to Boston. And it turned out the surgeon was a resident on my Achilles case way back in 1982, I think it was. So I've been around the block a few times. Ah, oh, incredible. A huge part of your story is the 1984 Olympics. And I was thinking how there's the cliche of paving the way. And I think maybe bulldozing the way would be a fairer or more accurate way to describe what you did. And in researching our interviews, something jumped out at me is that the first marathon in the Olympics for women was 1984. Men had been competing in the marathon at the Olympics since 1896. <laughs> I'm wondering what type of things were you told as far as why women couldn't run a marathon in the Olympics or couldn't run a marathon? Well, I was told things in high school when um, the girls didn't have a track team, they had a track club. And then I was told things um, when they added the high school mile, I believe it was my junior year, uh, it was my sophomore year, but I was uh, recovering from a broken leg I suffered while ski racing. So I didn't run my sophomore year, but a girl won the first state high school mile while I was a sophomore. And I said to my coach, I wanna be just like her. I wanna run the mile next year. And um, so I did, but it was thought that if a woman ran more than in the Olympics of 1500 meter, the equivalent of a high school mile, um, that she'd do bodily harm and never be able to bear children. Well, two children later and a grandchild later, I've run over 150,000 miles during my career. So we dispelled that uh, myth pretty quickly. Uh, when, when you were fighting for that, Joan, Going back to to the 80s, um, how I mean, how could they have been? I know it doesn't it, it's not that long ago. How could they have really thought that you would have bodily harm when people were running? Women were running marathons. Was it just an excuse not to allow women to do it? Well, I don't really know all the backstory, but I was in New York with Nina Cusick, who was one of the six women to sit in at the start of the New York City Marathon in its early years. It might have even been the first year. And uh -huh. they just sat there until they were told they could participate. So I spent some time. You know, it's really cool. I, I um, spent time with uh Nina Cusick and also with Emily Sisson. So Nina was one of the people who was very instrumental in getting marathoning, you know, on the books for women and, and Emily's the current American record holder. So I was I was in the middle of these two great women who um, have made our sport what it is today. And American uh, women are very strong in the marathon um, circle these days, which is great to see. I mean, Dina Castor had the record after I had it, and she held it almost as long as I did. And then uh, Kira D'Amato broke that record. And then a few months later, um, Emily broke it. And now Kira wants it back. And it's just healthy for our sport. I mean, to see we're yeah. all friends, uh, but we like competition as well. Yeah, but 
so for that long, you're fighting to get the marathon in the Olympics, and then you run it in what two hours, twenty four minutes, and fifty two seconds to win that first ever marathon. Yeah, it's not like you did a four hour marathon. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you quit when I'm more than an hour outside of that time. I, and and your time was better than like. 13 of the previous 20 men's marathon times just to show the craziness of that thought of women can't run it. Take us back to that moment when you were coming in the Coliseum and you're a good minute and a half ahead of the field. Well, all I can say um, and uh, preface my comments with the fact that if girls and women are given opportunities, anything is possible. And I truly believe Yeah, hear, hear. Um, I, I, you know, I, I broke from the pack early on and everybody thought I was crazy. I also spent time this past weekend with Frank Schroeder and Bill Rogers, and they were really the only role models I had in sport because there weren't a lot of women, at least in the sport yeah. of marathoning. And then, uh, there I was in the same room with Emma Coburn and Emily Sisson and Paula Radcliffe and Dina Castor. And it was like... You know, we've gone full circle. So it's a two-way road. We all inspire each other. You know, the older women in sport who didn't have the opportunity I had but who fought for me weren't able to enjoy marathoning at the highest level. And But they motivated me and inspired me. And now the younger runners that I just mentioned are keeping me in the game. So it goes full circle and it's it's a two-way road. But, you know, when I broke from the pack early on, everybody, Bill and Frank were calling the race and, and they thought, I, well, Bill thought I was crazy. Frank didn't <laughs> think I was crazy. And I just um, had to run my own race. And that's what I tell people all the time. You can't do what you really want to do unless you do it your own way. You know, coaches can tell you things. Trainers can tell you things. Parents I love that. But wow. if you don't listen to your heart and do it from within, it's not going to happen. Wow. Yeah. And you were only a few months coming off a knee surgery as well. So yes, people... I had, it's the same knee. <laughs> you know, it, I had an issue it, right before the trial, 17 days before mm-hmm. I had arthroscopic surgery because the the plica was abrading the cartilage in that mm. lateral aspect of the knee. So, yeah, I did that on a wing and a prayer, but it worked. And um, so I knew if I could get through the trials, I could get through the Olympics. I didn't think I'd win because the great late Greta Weitz was the favorite, but yeah. I was more concerned really with her teammate, uh, Ingrid Christensen, who actually had a faster time, but Greta had those nine unprecedented New York City wins. So, um but then I was in the village, the Olympic Village, and uh, I was in the medical clinic because um, I was concerned about my opposing Achilles, which is still my Achilles heel. And let uh, Greta let down her guard a little bit. She was complaining of back spasms. So as an athlete, oh. you, never, you never show your vulnerabilities. So I, I went oh, in. Interesting. And um, you're like, uh huh, okay. Yeah, you're gonna stay yeah. with me now. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. I just broke out and, and ran and kept something in reserve thinking they'd come back. But I'd seen Rosa Moda on a training run on San Vicente, which was in the early part of the course. I was going back to where I was staying and she was with a whole entourage of people. And I said to my coach when I got back to the house, because I didn't know Rosa Moda at all at that time. I didn't even know if she was running the marathon, but the longest distance outside the marathon 
that year was the 3,000 meters. They added the 3,000 meters for women when they added the marathon, and then the right. five and the 10 came later. Um, and I said, I don't know who this woman is who I saw running, but I bet she's running the marathon and not the 3,000. And if she's running the marathon, she's going to win a medal. And sure enough, she won the bronze and then run, won the gold in Seoul, Korea. So when you're coming into that moment with the Coliseum packed, that video, I was just watching it again, gave me the chills. And it's the first time a woman has ever completed the marathon at the Olympics. You fought to get it in and now you're winning it. What's going through your brain? Well, I, I came, you know, into the vicinity of the Coliseum and then I approached the ramp down into the tunnel and I could, I wondered if anybody was going to be there. I said, why, are, <laughs> why is anybody going to come out on a Sunday morning to watch 50 or so women run in the first women's Olympic marathon? I really, really wondered how full, if at all, the, the Coliseum would be. And um, I heard the crowd get to its feet before I saw them. And I said, mm. man, there are Ooh. people in there. And then in that moment of darkness in the tunnel, I didn't know if I had the capacity to carry the mantle that would go along with the first ever gold medal. And uh, interesting. in a nanosecond, I figured it out, but I made myself promise I'd give back to a sport and a community and an industry that had given so much to me. Ah, uh, wow. Wow. So you were actually thinking that as you're coming in for that final lap? Like in seconds and then yeah. i got goosebumps i got really anxious and you know thought i might stumble or something like that and i i just had to focus on standing up and getting around the track one and a half times does the feeling of finishing a marathon ever get old no it just gets longer <laughs> um, no it was uh no, it it doesn't. And, you know, the year after the tragedy in Boston, both of our children ran and um, uh, it was very moving, just the preparation, knowing that I'd be running with our children. And I, you know, our son was running his first marathon and I crossed the finish line and then I get a push from behind and it was our son and I said god I'm glad I didn't know you were right on my heels otherwise I would have crumbled and Dave McGilvery the race director had pulled Anders into the wings because he recognized Anders because he he directs the race I founded in in Maine the Beach to Beacon in my hometown and uh, he said I knew you were close behind so I pulled him in and he came out and around and it wasn't until we got back to the hotel um, because I waited for my daughter and he had already left. He was on to the next thing um, that I realized he had, you know, finished ahead of me. Mm. And um, that was great for him. But the difference between my son, our son and me is that he had run a 250.01 in his debut marathon. Wow. And one and done. He's never run one since and probably never will. And that would have driven me crazy not to break 250 by one second. So, I mean, <laughs> strokes for different folks. So our daughter's a little more competitive. You know, she ran her first three hour, sub three hour in London. And now I think she's like, okay, how fast can I get as a new mother and um, someone who's ready to go again? 
your your son was probably like, I broke three hours by ten minutes. That's all I needed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's it's what he so was thinking. funny how the different <laughs> genetics work. I mean, yeah. time would have driven me absolutely insane, and yet you know, three twenties driving me insane enough. Um, <laughs> Three, do you know how many 65-year-olds would kill for 320? I, 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 I've I never even run a marathon. I'd be like, I, oh, I get excited when I run a half. Why don't we run together? Why don't we run one oh, together? Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. let's, let's do that. What if we do this? We'll run, I'll run a half with you. I can't stay with you is the problem. How am I going to run a half with you? you I'd have to, I'll be on like a, I'll be on like a scooter. Yeah, that doesn't count. No e-bikes either. <laughs> yeah. I I have run, I've, I've run a lot of halves. I get excited when I can like break 230 and a half. Well, I mean, you that's know. That's how slow I am. What's ironic here is that I wouldn't be here talking to you if soccer had been available to me in high school mm. or college. Would, would you have played soccer? Sport. I would have, my two older brothers played soccer and my younger brother played soccer, but Snap. they didn't have the opportunity. So um, I played field hockey because that's no what way. it could be. Uh, oh, you're they didn't great have soccer player. They didn't have cross country for women either. Really? So that's why I played field hockey. No, because your uterus would drop out, remember? Oh, sure. <laughs> we don't want that to happen. <laughs> Joan? Joan, what piece of advice would you give to runners just getting into the sport or who maybe want to do a bucket list race, whether that's a half or a full? Well, my first uh, bucket advice would be to the parents and the importance of supporting your kids with their passions and not pushing them. Um, because as I said earlier, it needs to come from within. And then I would tell um, high school students to find a sport that can be a team sport. And team sports go on beyond, you know, high school and college. But sometimes at 65, it's hard to find a soccer team or a hockey team or a football team mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, so find a sport that you can do for a lifetime, like cycling or running or skiing or tennis or, or something like that. Have something in your back pocket. Yeah. Uh, because so many athletes focus on just one thing. And when that one thing is mm. overdone, they sometimes struggle with, you know, their purpose in life. And I think, you know, that can lead to some mental health issues. And that's why we, I think, part of the reason we have such a big problem in this country or in this world with, with mental health. And it's not just in athletics, it's in the arts, it's in music, it's in whatever you pick. But just, you know, find what works for you. And I would suggest running for time or run walking for time before you, you know, start saying, oh, I want to run a 5K, a 10K or something. And when you can run comfortably for a half hour, um, you know, I think you're good to go for, you know, the 5K distance. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I would run out to a certain part of our town and then back and then out back out and back and increasing the distance and then i ran around the whole town after a while i because i challenged myself i said can you do this so small increments and don't build too quickly because that leads to injury how do you the thing i i struggle with because i i mean obviously with my soccer background i did a lot of running on the field and i still when i was having kids and retired from playing i still wanted that 
that euphoria that comes from the pounding of the pavement. I, I really did like that. But all of a sudden my back and my hip and things are starting to, to hurt more. And so I've discovered like, I just can't, I can't log the miles that I used to. So how do you replace that euphoria you get from running? It's almost a high. Yeah, what do you it do? Is a high. I, um, and that's why I taught myself how to clip into bicycle pedals before mm. I absolutely had to, um, right. because I knew when the running became difficult or I struggled with injuries, I needed an outlet. I needed something else that I could, you know, raise my endorphins with or, you know, mm -hmm. get my heart rate up. And I, I, as I said, I can get my heart rate up higher on a bike than I can on my own hoof feet. But I also do a lot of Nordic skiing mm -hmm. um, because, you know, th that doesn't ask for the pounding, but it, it's it's challenging on the cardiovascular system. And because I'm not really efficient in that sport, I have to work harder. <laughs> right. And also it's developed my upper body with the polling. And a lot of people think I have a really serious upper body weight uh, routine, but it's all through, it's all holistic. It's through gardening, it's through kayaking, it's through skiing, it's through whatever. Polar you plunging. Know. Yeah. Don't forget it's that. Just, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, scheduled workouts and weight rooms or training rooms or wherever are in, are good. But for me, I like to do it outside holistically. Yeah. Yeah. I find running with friends is like the best thing. I, I catch up. We chat. It's social. It's communal. It's like, oh. So to hear that you ran it with, with your daughter, I know you've run more than one marathon with her, but just to be able to do that with your child would, would be amazing. Yeah. And even with a son-in-law, I mean, yeah. how many, how many mothers get to run with their son-in-laws and, yeah. you know, you asked me about how you get started. Um, and I think what you mentioned, Julie, about having somebody to run with, because if you're getting up at 5.30 or 6 a.m. Yeah. to go for a run and all of a sudden you feel like sleep is more important, and sometimes it is, you know you have somebody waiting for you. Yeah, and that's exactly. going to motivate you to get out. Totally. I say that all the time. Like, if it weren't for you all, I wouldn't get up. <laughs> it's so true. Joan, to add to your list of accomplishments, we're going to now have a game in which you go head to head against Julie in trivia. Oh, jeez. Look out. out, Joan. This is my only competitive outlet right now. I I'll get very Scrabble. excited. Okay, as long as you can play Scrabble afterwards. <laughs> no, not very good at that. Are you a Scrabbler? Yes. Oh. Joan, you are so interesting. Can I yeah. just say that? I kind of want to just follow you around for a day or a week and observe and then go implement in my life. Well, you know, it's funny. I shot an ad for a company and they came with their story book in line and they said, okay, we're just going to follow you around for the day. And, yeah. and they didn't have to, they didn't have to change anything. I mean, it, it's really a full day. Um, <laughs> That's just the way I've always lived my life. And I love I, it. It's good living. I don't have a, do a job description per se, but I don't have very few idle. I mean, I have very few idle moments. Mm -hmm. Well, then this moment is perfect because we're going to rev stink, it up. I stink at trivia. 
So we'll see. It's all multiple well, choice. Well, I'm really good at it, Joan. I just hate to break yeah, that no, to you. You're psyching me out. I'm showing my. I'm showing you my card. <laughs> I lose every right? damn game, Joan. It's getting pathetic. So I'm happy to hear you're terrible at it as well. Here are the rules. It's best of five. There'll be five questions, all multiple choice. Every game has a theme. The theme of this game is run this city. All of the questions are about cities in which you, Joan, have run a marathon. Key to this game is how you chime in for your answer. Jules, what is your chiming in mechanism it's very british today i i lost my squeaky toy so i'm going with my red telephone booth filled with coins it looks like yes okay joan what have you got i'm thinking this might work oh a little harp or something let's see it can we see your your harp (laughs) oh of course you do Oh so, yeah, why wouldn't you have wouldn't you a harpsichord within harp. arm's reach? <laughs> Joan, I need to hang out with you. What am I doing over on the West Coast? I know. It's all happening out here on the East Coast. You know what they say about I need Maine. To move to Maine. As Maine goes, so goes the nation. That's right. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I hope. Here okay. we go. Question one. What is Chicago's nickname? Oh, I'm gonna have to go, Julie. Oh, as thank begrudgingly you very much. as it- I didn't even need the multiple choice for this. Chicago okay. is the Windy City. And why is it called the Windy City? Because it's kind of calm. No, 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 no. She's wrong. So I get the point. Stand <laughs> by. Wait. One. Political history of the city. Oh, seriously? Actually, so Julie, that is incorrect because it is not an option in the multiple choice. So Joan, what is Chicago's nickname? Is it A, the second city, B, the city that never sleeps, or C, Beantown? None of the above. (laughs) Its nickname is the second city. It is? What's the first city outside of Portland, Maine? Well, I think it has to do with a fire, and then it became another the city. The second city? Oh, come on. Boy, that, okay. that question kind of hurt. I question your source. It's the yeah. Windy City. I just Googled it while we were on here, so. Okay, good. All right, zero, zero. Uh, question two. New Yorkers drink almost seven times more what than other cities in the United States? Is it A, beer, B, bourbon, or C, coffee? Julie. C, coffee. Correct. Oh, boom. What? Zero. Okay. Question three. What is the city of London's population? Is it A, around 10,000 people? B, around 100,000 people, or C, around 1 million people? Joan. 1 million. Incorrect. Uh-uh. Julie, do you have a... Wait, London? London? The city of London. Correct. Oh, they're not... Calling. B, 100,000. Incorrect. It's Ooh. A, around 10,000 people. It's no The way. city of London is the smallest city in England. Oh, jeez. Oh, Wait. What? I am confused. Like, as in London, London? 
Or is there like a city of London? There is a city of London that, and then it's Greater London. Very sketch, Lynn. Very sketch. I we can you can GTS it all you want, Julie. (laughs) Okay, one zero. No, one 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 one. Right? I think it's one zero. Yeah, it's one zero. Oh, one zero. Okay, Okay. one zero. This game is a little more painful than I anticipated. (laughs) Question four: What did the iconic Hollywood sign originally say? Is it A. Hollywood Land, B. La La Land, or C. Hollywood here. Joan. Hollywood land. Correct. Oh. And I don't even live out there. I, I, no, I was going to say La La Land. I almost tried oh, in on that. Okay. Good one, Whoever Joan. takes one, this one. takes oh, the game. it's all bound to this one. Question one. five. The oldest what in the USA is in Boston? Is it A, a stoplight, B, a park, or C, a zoo? Joan. The Boston Common, a park. Correct. Oh, God. Joan <laughs> takes the Lynn game two to one. <laughs> Sorry. Joan, this keeps happening to me. I take an early lead. I feel good about myself. I get my confidence back up, and then I get crushed at the end. You have to pace yourself. It's easier to pass people at the end of a race than it is early on. It always goes back to running the marathon. A metaphor Metaphor for life. A metaphor for life and a metaphor for the Lynn game. It's not where you start. It's where you end. Okay, most pressing questions. What is your guilty pleasure? How many do I get to say? (laughs) (laughs) What about the guiltiest? I've got so many, I can't even begin to think. Um, guilty pleasure. Uh, I guess chocolate chip cookies. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. A good chocolate chip cookie. For years on the national team, we used to get these crappy chocolate chip cookies, and I would say... How many years? How many years where we can get some good chocolate chip cookies? That was my contribution to the national team, Joan. Cheddar cheese and chocolate chip cookies. I feel good about that. Okay, next most pressing question. I don't think you answered this. Maybe you did. Favorite thing to grow in your garden? Celery. Celery? Huh. Because I mulch it with uh, seaweed and it absorbs all the salt, so it's really salty. You don't have to. Fascinating. You mulch it with seaweed. Mm -hmm. And then that adds nutrients to the soil without using any chemicals. Can we please get a picture of your garden? It's kind of dead now, but I'll send you like one. A, yeah, oh, it doesn't yeah. have to be like today, but like a picture, good picture of your garden. I want to post that. That is amazing. Okay. And final thing we do on Laughter Permitted. High, low, cheer. High of your career, the low of your career, and the cheer is for someone who's helped you along the way and you're grateful for. We can start with high. Okay. The high of my life was uh, career was... Um, getting through the Olympic trials to get to the Olympics. Mm. 17 days post-surgery. The Olympics was obviously the um, biggest win of my career, but the race of my life was the trials. Yeah. How did you do that 17 days post-surgery? I don't know, but I don't ask any questions. (laughs) 
too many questions, Julie. <laughs> okay. Low? The low of my career was dealing with injuries, I guess. Because mm-hmm. I've never dropped out of a race. And I've never looked back. Really? And I thought in London there might be a big possibility. So I had a lot on the line going into London. I, I'd only I, run one 20-mile run between Berlin 2019 and London 2022. And usually I have a dozen 20 milers before each marathon. <laughs> so I did that on a wing and a prayer too. Um, I and, heard you say and, you brought your phone for the first time. Yes. And I right. ran a fanny pack and my biggest injury from the marathon was the chafing on my back. <laughs> oh, interesting. And then, um, and I tell people never to have self-doubt going into a marathon. So I broke all the rules. And then... Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's so many people. What was the third category? Cheer. Cheer. Yeah. You're someone no, who's gonna, helped you along the I'm way. I'm going to cheer Bob Seventy, who coached me during my Nike Athletic West days out in mm. Eugene, Oregon, when was there for me through the trials. And uh, he inspires me now because he's fighting Parkinson's. And um, mm. yeah, that's What's my Bob's last name again? Seventy. Ah. Bob Seventy. Bob he's Seven still coaching Lane. athletes out in California. He's a great guy. Is he? Yes. Oh, I cannot tell you how much of an honor this is for us and for me having. For me. It's a two-way uh, road. Oh, uh, no. Like having watched and seen what you've done for women in sports and the way you've continued to carry that forward with all that you're doing and still running and still crushing it and um, – to take the time and sit with us is is uh, is so kind of you, and I just think it's it's an honor for us. Thank you. Well, we all need to be there for the next generation. We're all in this together. Turn and pull, Joan. Turn and pull. Love that. All right, Lynn. What's your takeaway? So I was thinking Joan needs to do a forest. Gump style run across the country, and then all of us just join in at certain parts of the journey and show the power of girls and women. Oh, it's like you pass the baton too. We used to do that with the San Diego Spirit, my first ever professional team. We'd run the San Diego Marathon, and so you'd pass the baton on to the next person. You could do that from woman to woman or girl to girl. I think that's a fabulous idea. Couldn't you just imagine, though, Joan leading the pack and we're all just Mm -hmm. following her and, you know, just pick up women across the country. We start to grow a beard. Our hair gets longer. (laughs) Just keeps going. My takeaway is that I had forgotten that she had 17 days before Olympic trials. Mind you, this was the first Olympics again because, as we discussed, uh, women wouldn't be able to run more than a mile and a half or whatever the limit was. Um, And so 17 days before Olympic trials, she has surgery on her knee to clean it up. And then she goes on to win the trials, to win her first Olympics, and at 65 years old to still be running seven 30-minute miles. Come on. For 26.2 miles. And she didn't even really train for London, she said. She ran one 20-mile day. That was it. Mm-hmm. That's re- ah. So my takeaway is if you keep moving and you keep sweating, then you keep living and good mm. things happen. 
So I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, keep sweating, Joan Benoit style. Oh, we're just at an idea factory today. Questions permitted. Several members of the Dope Village have asked if I ran a marathon this year. So this seemed mm-hmm. like a fitting episode to answer that. 2022 ended up not being the year for that BHAG, but it's mm. still something I'd like to do at some point. Talking with Joan was awesome, though, because it has me considering what story I would want to tell with running. So all, mm. this is, all of this is to say more to come. That's some serious foreshadowing. <laughs> it's a tease. All you have to know mm-hmm. as you're thinking about this, there is real power in Advil and chili cheese dogs <laughs> to get you through a race. Okay. That's all you need to know. Stay strong with that. <laughs> Dope Village. <laughs> Thank you. For another fun one, enjoy these holidays and know beyond being loved, we are forever grateful for you all carving out time in your day to learn and laugh with us. And all of this means so much because of you. Thank you to our sponsors, Ally and Dick Sporting Goods and Kate Diaz for our theme music and a shout out to Heidi Burgett, our amazing friend at Nike for being such a rad member of the Dope Village. We love you, Hyde. Look forward to hanging again soon. And until then, remember kids, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. permitted. If girls and women are given opportunities, anything is possible.